Welcome back to the Dewhawk Dozen podcast. My name is Rachel Mosier. And I'm Neil Bingham. And this is our monthly podcast dedicated to our graduates of the last decade. 12 months, 12 great Dewhawks, countless stories to tell. Today's guest is 2016 grad Brian Honerbaum. Let's do this. in the world, Brian, is it November already? We're nearing the end of our first year of Dewhawk Dozen, and our second to last guest of 2022 is the Brian Honerbaum. Brian, your nominator believed you're truly an active learner, and the Young Alumni Advisory Board has agreed because of what you've done during your time at Loris and beyond. You've spent a good portion of your life giving back to the educational community. Not only have you taught here locally in Dubuque, at Dubuque Hempstead, but you've traveled across the world teaching in Ukraine, taught a year virtually at an international school in China, and just wrapped up teaching in Dubai. Your nominator also said you're a great role model and an even better Dewhawk. So first off, welcome back to the States. Um, How have your travels been? Uh, Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and speak with you. I'm doing very well. I have just a short little vacation till my next jaunt, which will be uh, to Vietnam um, in mid to late July. Oh, awesome. So what will you be doing in Vietnam? Teaching middle school at a uh, international school there, social studies. Before we dive too much into your travels, Brian, it all started back at Hempstead High School here in Dubuque. How have you seen similarities and some differences between your first teaching job and now? Yeah, so a uh, huge shout out to Hempstead. They were crazy enough to give me the opportunity to work there for my first actual year's teaching. The The main thing uh, with Hempstead and international teaching and even virtual is, you know, students are always the main part of education, why I got into it. So luckily enough, I've had great students at all of my schools I've been to. Hempstead was phenomenal. Uh, my last school in Dubai, some amazing kids. So that's just kind of the, the pleasant common. So... In addition to your time at Hempstead, you know, being centrally focused on, on your time with students, when you look back on it, do you remember any specific classes that you taught that were mo- like the most fun or the most rewarding or any specific times there that you really felt like you just like hit the nail on the head with one of your lessons that you were doing with the classes? Yeah, so that's the fun with my license, which I'm thankful I was able to get at Loris being all social sciences, is I have had the luxury of having world history every year I've taught. So that class really is my magnum opus. I put a lot of time and effort into that. Uh, but I do love the fact that I have had so many different courses. Um, so one class I thought I was going to hate teaching at Hempstead was economics. Um, but actually diving into the lesson and the content and learning it along with my students, um, that's actually one of my favorite classes now, to teach and just generally study. So... In the meantime, when you were at Hempstead, um, in your summers, you also taught in Ukraine. Um, so education abroad is not a new concept for you. Um, do you still stay in touch with your colleagues in Ukraine? Absolutely. Both um, the teach- the American teachers that went over there, um, some of the university professors that I worked with, and then even some of my students I still deal with. So, I mean, it's it's been a pleasure. You know, unfortunately, with everything going on globally, there's a lot of concern right now in that area. So... It's nice just to have some inside voice and see how it's actually going on with them. 
and it's good that they're safe and exactly we're thinking of them. And one person campus side who uh, got you connected with that position, but also who is very intricately connected with Ukraine was uh, Dr. Roman Chapolo. And I'm not sure if you knew this, but he did just retire this past year uh, with a few other, you know, staple professors. Looking back on it, how did some of those connections at Loris get you prepared for both that job and then now getting ready to head to Vietnam? Yeah, so huge shout out to Dr. Chapolo. He is quite instrumental in um, the whole Ukraine thing, and that looks great applying for other national schools because it shows that I have experience doing it. So nothing but love and respect to Dr. Chapolo. Um, one thing I've always kind of strived myself on is to try and be a, um, I joke calling it a um, chameleon. There we go, a chameleon. Um, so I would do That's different. A good. That's a good way to uh, describe you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I could fit in with most groups. So, um, you know, getting to know Dr. Chapla through business ethics, a class that I had no business taking, but he uh, took me in and helped me out with that. I learned a lot of other professional skills alongside with those classes, the different organizations of LORAs, such as Education Club, uh, Habitat for Humanity, uh, the Fraternity, Sigma Phi Epsilon. I mean, I've tried to do as much as I can, and it's. I think it really helped uh, signify that idea of the liberal arts education of being well-rounded. So I can hopefully fit anywhere I need to be. You fit pretty well in Dubai this last year. Um, can you talk a little bit about this last year and how it's been for you both professionally and personally? Uh, professionally, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity. Um, I got accepted to a uh, school in transition, so I helped lay some of the, some good found, uh, groundwork, hopefully, for them. Um, you know, it was a transitional school, so that comes with some pros and cons, but what, um, what do you mean by transition school, just uh, for yes. people like me or, or some of our listeners of course. that may not know this education realm? So the school recently got out, bought and out. It was a private uh, individual school. Now it's a part of a conglomerate. Um, so it's, it's just they're going through, they're trying to fix all the problems and then okay. hopefully set up and lead to a successful new school. Awesome. Um, so, how about personally, uh, with your travels? Um, personally, it's, you know, it's been awesome. Um, the one thing I will confidently say about Dubai is it makes you extremely lazy. I mean, you can get everything delivered to you. If you don't want to get gas in the morning, they will fill your car up in the morning oh, wow. for you. Um, Did you have a car and everything over there? Yeah, I oh. rented. Um, so, it's it's just, you want to talk about luxury and, and living a a nice life, you know, if, you, if you're in that position, Dubai is, you don't have to leave your house for anything. Awesome. And I, I was living vicariously through you through Snapchat. <laughs> you always seem like you're on the move and the food over there looks delicious. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Dubai is cool, but some of the other Emirates are just faceting by themselves. So how we have states, the UAE have Emirates. There are seven mm-hmm. of them. Um, probably... Oddly enough, probably one of the highlights was uh, we were on, uh, we, we, we didn't climb a mountain, we drove up a mountain, so just to be at that altitude and you can see just, you know, as far as you can see, it was very awesome to go from, you know, one of the most modern cities in the world to, hey, there is one food car on this mountain, and like, they make whatever they want to make and you just have to deal with it, so it's very, not polarized, but it's in that vein where it's ultra modern and then there's also some things that are 
you know, no running water. So it's just, it's very fasting inside the Emirate itself. So, you know, as Rachel pointed out with all the times that we saw just updates from you on Snapchat or different means of social media, it did seem like there were a lot of great food options in Dubai. What were some of the favorite things you had while you were over there? So there was a couple staples that we found. Um, and when I say we just mean some other teacher friends and whatnot, uh, there was a phenomenal Thai restaurant that we would go to about every week called Sticky Rice for the unique and awesome reason. Everything was themed duck. So, like, they had a, uh, like, duck plushie uh, that, uh, claw machine that you got coins with with every purchase. Uh, they sold these duck plushies. It was all duck themed. And it was just amazing and phenomenal. And I can't compliment this place high enough. Was there a lot of duck on the menu, or they just like light no, ducks? There was no duck on the menu, to my knowledge. <laughs> that's why. That's it was just like, it was just like a happy mascot. Like, cool. It was in honor of the original chefs, who was uh, their mother, the the people that own it now, and she must have just loved ducks. And it's you know, shout out to Stick Your Eyes, love you guys. I think oftentimes people glamorize this notion of leaving the country to have a film-esque adventure in a country outside of their own. Um, were there any obstacles or roadblocks you faced while moving to Dubai for a year? Or like, what was the hardest thing to get used to? So that's... <laughs> I actually kind of psyched myself out for that. So I was expecting to go to the United Arab Emirates, you know, a Muslim country through and through. And I'm not saying that they're not because I don't want to get in any trouble. <laughs> But, like, it's it's very Western. So everything you think about with, like, Islam being, you know, forbidden alcohol, pork, Dubai, you can get that. Like, it's it's just, um, and, and no disrespect by this, but it, it wasn't much of a shift. It was just, oh, well now I'm, instead of being in 90-degree heat, now I'm in 120-degree heat. So, oh. but it was it was lovely. Okay. It's toasty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, nine- that 30-degree difference is, uh... Yeah. The summer when it was 90, it was like, <laughs> that was crazy. My flight home back here, uh, the real feel was 138 with humidity. <laughs> our, our jaws <laughs> just dropped. I know this is a mundane question, and I feel like it's the cop-out to everything, but was like, was it a dry heat or was it humid? <laughs> Depending on the day, yeah. it was more humid than not. Huh. So it was just muggy. In fact, uh... Like I mentioned to you guys earlier, if you hear me cough, it's I don't I'm not sick or anything. I just had bronchitis before I left, and that was from going from the livable AC into the desert of hundred plus degree and just switching that. I think that just kind of jacked my lungs a little bit, but you know we're here and we're alive. That's all that matters. So yeah. between Ukraine and Dubai, where was your favorite place? Temperature wise, Ukraine, hundred <laughs> percent. What was it like there? Uh, it was a lot. It's pretty similar to like what we have. I would say maybe a little bit cooler, but not by much. Um, whew, which one do I like better? You know, both have their own unique things that are, are amazing to the area. Um, I love the convenience of Dubai. Where they wait on your hand and foot. <laughs> exactly. And like tipping is like not, um, it's not required. Hmm. But, like, I stayed at a hotel for the last year, or two different hotels the last year. I made sure to tip. You know, if you tip, you know, 20 Durham, which is 450 us, U.S. money, you know. I had people who knew me by name. I would walk, and I had no idea. They, Mr. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? And, you know, it's just that little effort that, you know, we are used to, that we are expected to do, is not over there. And it just, 
your phenomenal treatment is then taken to another level of phenomenal. Hmm. Um, Ukraine, I loved it because it was very much, um, it was very much culture oriented. So like, not to say that Dubai wasn't, but uh, where I was at, it was Ukraine, Ukraine. Like everyone was about that lifestyle. There was some animosity toward Russia back then as well. Um, but it was, you know, this is our culture. We want you to experience our culture, Brian. We're sorry if it's not hamburgers every day, but we want you to eat Veronica and we want you to do this because we want you to see what, what we're really about. So, and That's cool to immerse yourself into their culture and really learn from it because then you do get a feeling of respect. And I feel like Loris, whether it was a study abroad opportunity or whatnot, they helped us kind of get that mindset like, hey, it might be out of our comfort zone, but it's we need to experience it to really know how the world works. Absolutely. And and we were in Dubai together for one J term. Dublin. No, you weren't. Sorry, Dublin. <laughs> I've never been to Dublin. The other D word. <laughs> yes. Dublin. Yeah. Uh, Ireland. That so, was yeah. that feels like forever ago. Yeah. yeah. Um forever. Shout out to Doctor Cochran for that class. It was phenomenal. Yes. Um and just diving into the culture. So, you know, we've talked a lot about your travels, about teaching here in uh, Dubuque, about a lot of the classes that you took with some different professors. When did you know you wanted to be a teacher? Because that's pretty much, I mean, what you've been doing since graduating. Uh, yeah, so I, like a lot of just general high school students, didn't quite know what I wanted to do. Um, I just knew, you know, you kind of, we were kind of hammered that you need to have a degree. So I originally actually got my, or I was going to do communication, but then they're like, well, if you do a communication degree, you're, you're kind of made to transfer. So you should probably figure out what you like to do. And then going back, you know, I had a few experiences in high school of teaching elementary and that just, I really enjoyed, uh, academic, academic life. So I don't know, it kind of just fell together. Yeah. That's awesome. It seems like you've really been enjoying it. I mean, I know that the times when fun fact for listeners at home, Brian, and they lived together for four years, but, um, kind of across the board, whether it was the, that period of time you slept on our porch, but I mean, <laughs> you were still, uh, you know, going to teach then, or I even all the way that. to interviewing mm-hmm. for international jobs at the, the, t- the table downstairs during lockdown. I mean, it really has just been really cool to see that excitement and that energy around education all the way through. So. And you bring a, a sense of excitement and kind of fun to the classroom or in the groups of people you're around. So your students are lucky to have you. Oh, why, thank you. Uh, I think it's, it's just perfect because it's very complimentary, uh, just kind of who I am and teaching. Like you said, kids just enjoy that. I have kids that just, they hate history, they hate history, and they love my class. So it's an honor. Awesome. So, Neil, do you want to do this next part of this podcast? I would love to. So, Brian... Uh, I know we sent you most of the questions ahead of time uh, to get you prepped, just to give you a little time to think through some answers, but we do have a dozen questions for a Duhawk Dozen where we ask our guests 12 rapid-fire questions, and you give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are, Are you ready? ready? Doesn't matter. Let's get at her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mr. Sunbear, where was your last vacation? Um, I actually just got... Back from the Galena Territory with my family for a lovely little weekend. Love it. What was your first ever job? Uh, I helped do odd ends with a, a construction guy in my hometown. So, like, I, you know, it wasn't 
like clock in or clock out, but you know, we help them out for a day. We get paid for a day. Is your bed made right now? No, not at all. What is your go-to karaoke song? Take Me Home Country Road by John Denver. Mm. The GOAT. What movie or show do you quote the most? Um, probably, it's either It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or American Dad. Very not, mature humor. Not Letter Kenny that you've said. <laughs> Peter I've never watched Letter Kenny. I just love that quote. <laughs> sure. What was the last TV series you binge watched? Uh, Woo, the American Saga on uh, Hulu. Nice. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Uh, depends on the day. I can I can do either. I uh, it's easier to be a night person, but I can do both. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why night person threw me off. Think of the night man. <laughs> <laughs> night man cometh. What is your go-to lazy dinner? Uh, crock pot. Just throw <laughs> a bunch of stuff in the crock pot, and I guarantee it'll work out. Who is your one of your heroes? Uh, that's a good question. So many of them. So it's it's hard to name pinpoint one. We can come back to it. Yeah, give me a minute. We'll we'll circle back. Okay. What age has been your favorite age so far? Like living? Yep. I don't know. Twenties are pretty cool. Is there a specific year? Two thousand and seven. <laughs> when you were in your twenties. No, no, <laughs> um, no, though I, I really, really like uh, <laughs> you know the mid twenties. You know, after college, trying to figure out a career, trying to figure out life, all that fun stuff. It's a lot of obstacles, but a lot of fun along the way. Yeah, purple or gold? <laughs> Both, always. <laughs> what is your favorite spot on the Loris College campus? Ooh, I am a huge advocate. For Hoffman Hall, shout out to all the social studies and all those other phenomenal teachers in that area. Um, that's that was my home when I was here. Second place being the library because that's where I slept. Oh. And honestly, I, have we all fell, fallen asleep in one of those chairs? I fell asleep in one of the study rooms during finals week mm-hmm. one, so I get that. Uh, lastly, who is one of your heroes? Um. I'm going I'm to throw a shout out to, you know, I'm going to play the ad- advisor card, Dr. Mar- uh, Mark Karen, just because he's had a lot of, listened to a lot of his international stories. Um, I believe he w- got one of his degrees in Brazil. I think that was, if that sounds correct. I'm um, just hearing about his experience in, you know, not only a different country, but a different college system really helped push me. Uh, he also did a lot of work with some independent studies for me. So I got nothing but compliments and praise to him nice. no offense to all my other professors <laughs> they're great too <laughs> um so you mentioned that both the library and hoffman are two of your favorite places on campus um shout out to 840 kirkwood as well <laughs> gotta love that house all right uh, but didn't make his list neil just <laughs> throwing it in there but tell us a little bit more about your loris experience and uh maybe why you chose loris as well i know that you had uh a little bit of a, a different path than um, some students do. So I think your, your journey is just an interesting one. Yeah, I transferred in to Loris from NICC, Northeast Iowa Community College. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I had no intention to come in here. Uh, the last place I thought I would ever find myself was a Catholic liberal arts college. Uh, one of my buddies I worked with, shout out to Josh Arnold. Um, he He's like, hey, 
do what you want, but just check it out. I love Loris. Just see what you think. And then I did a uh, on-campus visit. Got stopped by every student I saw. Hey, man, you think about coming here? You know, it's awesome, yada, yada. And I just fell in love. It's funny you mentioned Josh Arnold because he was the manager in the calf for my very first shift <laughs> as a first year. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. Small world. Like, Those Duhawk connections. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He actually went to Galena, which is one of that. our rivals, and growing up from River Ridge. And we worked at Chessman together. Uh, yeah, we worked at Chessman together where, you know, we just just bantering between each other. He told me to check out Loris, and I thank him for it every time I see him. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, Josh Arnold, for bringing Brian <laughs> to Loris. <laughs> so you spent a lot of time in Hoffman, but also Wallert. I was everywhere, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Dr. Karen as well. Is there any other professors? I know. You... How much time do we have? <laughs> well, to be fair, I have to give another huge shout out to, uh, I have to give a lot of shout outs today, um, but Dr. Sherell. Scott Sherrill, he was my other advisor, and um, I try my best to keep him updated as well just because he was so instrumental in getting my teaching qualifications and all that fun stuff, and because he's a history guy as well, or he used to teach history, um, I do like to fall back and just kind of buck him to see his thoughts on some different things mm -hmm. because, you know, everyone is just so fantastic, and I love, I remember, quick little anecdote about Dr. Sherrill, we had to find examples for uh, whatever lesson type we were doing that one day I pulled up a, a random one I found and I'm kind of going over it and explaining it to him and he kind of chuckles oh that's a good uh good lesson Brian uh who's the author and I scroll up and it was him <laughs> what are so the odds he just he just brushed it you know gave me a little little tap on the shoulder I like I like like your resources and just kept going <laughs> so it's cool to see um like in our role here at loris neal we don't get to work with students too often no. but um we are success coordinators for the incoming first years and last year i helped with launch as well and scott was uh, one of the professors for their what we called moi yeah yep um and it's cool to see how much thought he put into his work and how he related to his students so you i i think any of his students are pretty lucky to have him and it's cool that you gave him the shout out yeah i mean i could literally go on just all the professor i've had at loris i've just been truly lucky from the the first professor I had father johnson mm. um yeah. it's just uh dr welsh um, and it's funny that you said you never thought you'd be at a Catholic institution, and then Father Johnson played a big role in your career here. Absolutely. And quick clarification, it's not that I'm anti-Catholic. Oh, I, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I, I just didn't yes. think of, oh, I should check out a, a, a secular mm -hmm. school. Is that the correct term? Where it's based on religion. Yeah. And can you relate? You went to Catholic high school. Yeah, I went to Catholic grade school, high school, preschool. So all throughout. Yeah, born and raised. But when we're from a small rural town, like Brian and I, yeah. how big is Hanover? It's a whopping 600, 650. I have you beat with Colesburg, 400. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, but I never thought I'd take that into consideration. It wasn't a huge decision maker, but it, it definitely, I value it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you clearly stayed in the education field and must have had some impactful classes. I mean, you just listed off a litany of professors who were super helpful. And I remember when we lived together just talking about the, all the the attentive and intensive work that you did with Dr. Christian Anderson Bricker for like the uh, 
for the thesis work that you were doing and just how, how into that you were. Do you have any classes or specific as- assignments that come to mind when you think back to what helped shape your teaching ide- ideologies? Oh, yeah. Um, this is going to surprise you, but I have another huge shout-out to Cab. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, working with Cab, she really, uh, working on 490, our thesis, that is one thing that I still go back to, and it's it's a great tool because kids will ask me, well, if I want to do history, what does that mean in college? Well, let me show you my 35-page paper, <laughs> your, your capstone. Um, but that was just great in really honing me as a historian um, when it comes to education. Um, I could I can give you the same three names I give every time, Dr. Shrell, Dr. Welsh, and then Ms. Shaw. Um, just looking at education through... Uh, different perspectives and different ideals with those three just really helped me find my niche where I feel like I best fit. So shout out to Loris, I guess. (laughs) It's all encapsulating. (laughs) Was there one person in your um, experience that really said, okay, you would be a good history teacher? Like how did those, your love for history and teaching combine um i've always just loved history in general i mean it's it's crazy stories that shouldn't be true that are um that's how i always look at it. that's always describe it uh but i had a few um few high school teachers that really just kind of hey you should look into it you should think about it um big one being my middle school socialized teacher uh mark clippert I doubt he's listening, but shout out to Mark Clipper. <laughs> he's he's retired. Know. He's not very tech savvy. No sure, offense, sure, sure. Mr. Clipper. <clears throat> Love you, buddy. But he was just every time if you know if we had to do some like authentic work, like you know, just give me a thesis sentence or something. I'd throw something. He's like, "Ooh, ooh." You thought about college? No, I'm in sixth grade. Why would I think about college? <laughs> so he was a huge person, and then just a lot of other. Teachers just kind of push that, hey, you should think about it. Uh, what was your favorite um, topic in high school and grade school? English. Like, <laughs> 100% English. Social studies. Really? Honestly. Like, that was my favorite. I think World at, um, America at War was my favorite one. Is that a class? Yeah. At EDCO, it was. It's like 80% oh. of our history. I know. <laughs> so that's why there was two classes based on that but it was strictly that so cool. i can relate to you a yeah, little bit you know. interesting yeah um mine was english and i was an english major so i guess that makes sense wow Check Check out. there Check it is out. um one other thing that uh, seems to be in common with a lot of the themes going on in your professional realm brian is not only your love of history and education but it's also your love of traveling abroad i know one of your early experiences as you both mentioned earlier was uh, your trip to ireland with rachel and I don't know if you folks remember, but our trip to Argentina was on the same bus as well. So although we didn't study abroad together, oh, we traveled yeah. to Chicago together. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was actually supposed to go to Dublin with a, a good buddy of mine, but he backed out for some reason. <laughs> I did uh, go to Argentina instead, but but still. Neil, you were supposed to go to that? I was. I think I knew that. But I, you know, <laughs> I had a great time in Argentina. Met a lot of cool people. I heard that was a great trip. Was that where your... Uh, Love of travel first kind of came about. Is that where the travel bug bit you, or were you, um, were you kind of always thinking that you wanted to teach abroad? Uh, I kind of grew up on like the Travel Channel and like uh, Food Network, whatever that is now. But they always had like Andrew Zimmerman, Anthony Bourdain, uh, people like that, where they just go to these 
you know, foreign lands that are pretty much Martian to, you know, rural Illinois. And it's just always been fascinating to see what, what's out there. Brian, it would not be right, I don't think, if we didn't at least briefly mention Viv, the dog found in the dumpster, shout out to Thomas Greffley, um, right behind the Lynch-McCarthy apartments here on campus. You know, seven years later now, we've still got her. Um, and I feel like she kind of encapsulated the entire Duhog experience of adapt and overcome and just, you know, be along for the ride while you're there. Uh, do you feel like you learned a lot from that experience of four college guys raising a dog in a, in a house? <laughs> um, if a one pound dog can eat a one and a half pound brick of chocolate and survive, <laughs> I can do anything with my life. And that's my motto. Thanks to Viv. Yep, she did, in fact, do that. I mean, she ate the chocolate, chocolate rabbit, chip chocolate chip cookies, puppy chow, um, jalapenos, queso. Uh, anything and everything. She's, Grass. So Viv she's is still, still well. kicking. Yeah, she's, she's still like 12 years old. She made her rounds at, at Loris during our time. Uh, she, I remember her coming to visit our friends and whatnot, and people would take her for the day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so is Viv coming back to our five-year reunion? Viv will be in Dubuque for it. I don't, I don't know if she'll be back on campus for it, but... And Brian, with your travels, will you probably won't be back for our five-year. No. <laughs> Taking a quick flight no. from Vietnam to Dubuque for, yeah. for the weekend. It's like an 18-hour flight. You can do it. <laughs> Start up a GoFundMe for your <laughs> ticket home. But um, we... Honestly, you'll be very missed yeah. when we're together, but... Um, Something cool about now is we can do it, we can get together virtually, and um, Facebook and social media is always a good time to uh, reflect on our memories. But when you look back at it, wh- what felt like it went by more quickly your time at Loris or the last five years? I would probably say Loris just because don't get me wrong, the last five years have flown, <laughs> uh, but being a transfer, so coming in with and doing two and a half years at Loris and it being just a fond, such a fond memory, it really did just blow past me. Um, whereas the last five years, I can I can pretty much statically tell you where I was most of the time. Like, I, oh, yeah, I was, I might have been teaching online for China, but I was back home with my parents. Like, it's, you know, it's more recountable. Yeah. yeah. I always struggle with that, too, because, I mean, like, I feel like the last five years have flown by so quickly but then I look at first year at Loris and Beckman versus our senior year on 17th Street. And it's like that went by just unrealistically quickly, too. So it's it's a tough question. <laughs> mm-hmm. And thinking back to what PJ said back in July, he said um, the last five years have really been really flown by. So everyone's perception is a little different. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't know what I would say. College flew by, but yeah. These years have really flown by too. And I the think, the scary thing is, I just got the uh, the ten year anniversary of high school graduation, <laughs> which is just gut wrenching. <laughs> if we started talking about ours too, and it's like, oh boy, we are old. <laughs> that is coming up. <laughs> Someone said your generation to me the other day, and I was like, we're only like six years apart, and they're like, yeah, different generations. <laughs> six years. <laughs> um. One other thing that, you know, as although it's been five years since we graduated, one thing that's been really cool is you've done a really just an incredible job, Brian, of staying connected with your Duhawk friends, um, whether it's old roommates, you know, we got a few group chats going, um, or just classmates, friends, or, or faculty. 
Um, I'm just really impressed with your ability to stay so engaged. What advice do you have for other young alumni who might be struggling to stay connected or might be worried about that as they're, they're gearing up for graduation? Yeah, so the one thing that was really tough for me, um, which is just like we mentioned earlier with perspective, like Rachel said, how people perceive things. Um, I always told myself it's a two-way street. If somebody wanted to talk to me, then they'll talk to me. If not, it's not my problem. And that is the worst way to do it. <laughs> Go out of your way. How hard is it to say, hey, how's it going? Send a message. You have a quick phone call. Worst case scenario is they don't respond to you and they get back to you. Like, it's, it's so simple, and I was such a jerk about it. I don't know why, but that's one thing I've really tried to do more is shoot that message. Send a phone call. Send an email. Send a text. Um, most people are going to be willing to just catch up and chit-chat with you, like, like today, you know? I had yeah. no... Um, of course, other than emails, you know, I was not expected to be invited to the Duoc Dozen, but, you know, it was just an email. Rachel said, hey, congratulations. Would you like to do uh, the podcast for Loris? Absolutely. So, you know, it's a two-way street. And don't forget you're a driver. How's that for a quote? <laughs> there you go. That, I, that's a good quote. <laughs> I do think when, you know, Kelly Klein is the one who kind of first introduced that idea of the the that small reach out anytime you think of it uh, on our podcast and it's been echoed a lot since and I've tried to really take that to heart so if I see a funny post or if I hear a song or you know whatever it might be just texting that person that it reminds me of and that really has helped open some communication that you know haven't haven't done in a while or haven't reached out to that person in a while and it's mm-hmm. it's just a nice reminder and a nice humbling reminder of how many people that Loris really brought into your lives and just how how great those connections are even 5 10 20 years later mm-hmm. Um, one stupid thing that I'm really loving is Snapchat and how they, they save your stories and stuff. The so memories. I'll get a pop-up. Oh, yep. three years ago today, you were with uh, Neil and Rachel doing this. Oh, I'm just going to quickly send that to them, too, just so they can remember it with me. Mm-hmm. And everybody replies back, oh, the good time. You know, something something yeah. like that. So it's technology is helping out a lot with it. It really is. And you take all these photos and you're like, oh, where's that photo again? But then that year it pops back up. There was a really interesting <laughs> quote um, from the 30 Rock series finale, oddly enough. Um, but it was two characters talking just about how those how those friendships can kind of be hard to manage in that I think the healthiest boundary to set is that you're going to forget some birthdays, you're going to forget some anniversaries, or you're going to f- forget to call sometimes, but just not taking that so personally um, just I think is is key because I think it's it's much better to authentically reach out to someone when you're thinking about them than just be like, oh, shoot, Facebook reminded me it's their birthday. I had no clue. <laughs> Let me write HBD real quick on their wall. Um, I think it's just it's a really – a nice humbling reminder just to think that like those outreach uh, outreach points are are just as important. Absolutely. You go you put all the time into meeting new people and making their acquaintances. Uh, it's a lot harder to make the grass the glass than break the glass. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little maintaining here and there just keep in touch and pays off dividends. Um, well thanks again, <coughs> Brian, um, for being on the show with us today and for our listeners at home, don't forget to mark your calendars for the 12th of every month where we will be introducing the newest member of our Duhawk Dozen. You can visit alumni.loris.edu slash Dozen to learn more or to nominate a Duhawk today. Thank you to the Young Alumni Advisory Board for sponsoring this podcast. Go Duhawks!